Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Well, welcome everyone to the first ever Spiritual Freedom Show, being broadcast on WCET FM live around the world. So this is Richard Lawrence here broadcasting. I'm in London. My great producer, Tim Roxbury, is uh, over there in America. And we'll also be hearing later on from Darren Ball and several other people on the Spiritual Freedom Show. And I want to thank Tim, actually, because it was his idea to do this. I had the pleasure of appearing on his great show, Supernatural Realm, which I think is the highest rated show on that network. And uh, we had a great time. And then he kindly invited me to do my own show. And I thought, wow, that's a bit different. <laughs> and we've discussed it. And here we are. Also, Michael Vara, who uh, is one of the other directors there, who also uh, made the invitation together with Tim and, and the other directors. And Michael, of course, has one of the top rated radio shows in the USA. I think it's one of the top five shows on TalkStream or Livestream or one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really great to be here. And the whole thinking behind this show, uh, folks, listeners, is to try and bring the really great spiritual message of these days to you uh, through the medium of radio. And it's a real honor for me to do that. I only wish uh, my own spiritual teacher and master of yoga, that is, uh, Dr. George King, who passed on in 1997, uh, could be here to do it himself, because I can tell you if he was, it would be a lot, lot better than me doing it but never who knows maybe he is here but it's down to me to do it and uh, i'm really privileged to do that and talking of dr king it was prophesied through him in 1954 long ago as that in a trance channeling we'll talk more about that later state a very advanced mediumistic state by an intelligence from another world. Gosh, can you imagine claiming that in 1954? I mean, it nowadays, uh, it's quite prevalent. Lots of people say it doesn't mean it's true, but lots of people say it. Uh, but then, my goodness, was it controversial, but that wouldn't have stopped him. He, he was fearless, actually. He, he was shy, but a fearless teacher and a great, great medium. And in 1954, he channeled an intelligence by the name of Ethereus, we call him the Master Ethereus, who said then that our broadcasting systems would be used, and these are the words, by the few who have the light within them. So let's hope uh, that this show is one such show. I'm not saying it's the only one by any means, but if we can do one thing and help to make that prophecy come true, along with others who are spreading the light through the medium of broadcasting, then our job is done on the Spiritual Freedom Show. So we're going to be broadcasting on the first Saturday of every month um, at this time. And as I said earlier, we're going to be focusing on what I believe to be the greatest set of teachings ever delivered to Earth. Uh, that's the nine freedoms. Now, 
you know, if I knew a better one, and I do study lots of teachings, just uh, so you get to know where I'm coming from, I'm certainly not a person who would say that the one and only way to all truth and knowledge is through uh, the Ethereum Society or even Dr. George King, and certainly not myself. But what I would say is, I, having studied many, many teachings and many philosophies, and I still do it, and I'm very interested in it, and I have great respect for the great Bhagavad Gita, uh, the wonderful Tao Te Ching, uh, the beautiful Dharmapada, the true essence of, uh, you might say, Gnostic or mystic Christianity, the Kabbalistic uh, teachings contained within uh, Hebrew teaching and Jewish teaching, and many, many other Sufis. I could go on. The real essence behind the Greek legends and what that was really all about, and once you strip away all the myth and the invention... Uh, and the nonsense. There's great truth everywhere. In, in, in I've, I've been lucky to travel the world and meet, uh, for example, Maori uh, initiates. So they don't call them initiates, but um, Tohungas and others in Africa too. And you find this universality of truth. You find this great light uh, which is there that people from cultures through the centuries, through the world, through civilizations over millennia, thousands of years and I, I should talking of that mention actually the the old vedic texts the, the earliest compiled texts on earth which are absolutely fantastic the ramayana the mahabharata and so on but wherever you look you find a universality you find people have come to exactly the same conclusions from different traditions they might be a nomadic people who have no access to any other teachings and yet they've discovered these universal truths and this great light. That's where I'm coming from. So when I say to you that I find the nine freedoms to be second to none, then it's done with great respect to all other teachings. If I thought something else was even greater, I'd bring that to you. And maybe from time to time, we will certainly definitely refer to other things. But the core root of this show is this the nine freedoms and in this first one i'm going to introduce it a bit generally let you know where i'm coming from and what the nine freedoms is and we will study it a bit but in future shows we're just going to focus on getting to the inner meanings the deeper teachings uh, which set you free it is true that politics doesn't set us free and that's if, if we know one thing surely we know that by now and you've many have tried from the left wing from the right wing revolutionaries conservatives um but none of them yet have really got there uh, and some have done far worse than that and money certainly although it's available hasn't solved our world's problems why not greed very simple some people don't want to share the change has to come from within us, and that is what spirituality can do. And I, I believe that's what it will do, but it's going to take some effort. So we'll be going, to, going into those teachings uh, in more depth over the coming weeks and months. But i also going to include, I'm very pleased to say, certain special guests on this show. And the first one today, actually, will be a very good friend of mine, who, and we appear regularly uh, this friend of mine and I on another show somewhere else called Ethereus Radio Live. And that's uh, something you can get, but that's a more of a specialist show relating to the Ethereum Society. This show is for people who may or ne never have heard of 
Dr. George King or me or the Ethereum Society before uh, who may not be may be committed to some other path or, or none. Uh, it is for everyone. I, I just I'm intent. All I want to do is share this with you. It's something, you know, like you come across something that is so good. It might be something basic. You, 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 you hear a bit of music. It's so good. It really connects with you. You want to share it, don't you? You want to say, hey, look, have you heard this? I've got to play it, play it to someone. And they say, oh, it's all right. And you think, oh, but somebody else might say, yes, that I get it. That's that is it. And that's really what the Spiritual Freedom Show is all about. But coming back to my friend who will be our first special guest today, that's Chrissy Blaze. So we're very well known astrologer, she's an author of many books, uh, as I say, a good friend of mine. And she's going to be giving us some insights into 2021. It's a great day to do it, January the 2nd. And uh, she, she's a real expert and knows exactly what she's talking about. So I'm looking forward to that. And then later on, we're going to hear every time we're going to have someone on the show who has had a moment of truth in their life. Some call it an epiphany, don't they? Some some great moment. I mean, I, I had a moment. I, I, mean, I was, uh, well, I won't, you, won't, you don't want to know all about my all my moments, but I had one when I was 14 and I remember it so well. Uh, I just woke up one morning and suddenly I wanted to know the purpose of life. The day before hadn't even been on my mind. Everything was fine. I had a great childhood, fantastic parents, great family. We were fortunate. I had opportunities. There was no hardship, really. But suddenly I woke up and I thought, yeah, this is all good. But why am I here? And that's when my search started. So we're going to hear from all sorts of different people from different parts of the world. Actually, today's guest is going to be uh, in Italy. And uh, next time, I think our, our, our guest who's going to give a moment of truth will be in Australia. We're going to go around the world on this and we're going to have different kinds of people. Some have only come across it very recently. And today it'll be Jack Stafford, who's himself, actually, by the way, uh, does podcasts uh, and, he, and he's a songwriter. And he's going to tell us about his moment of truth. And another thing we're going to include in every single show, because if we didn't, it would just fall into the category of armchair theory, which is not for this age. This is not the age of armchair theory. This is the age of action, spiritual action. And so we're going to include a, at least one practical spiritual exercise in every show, which I'm going to invite you to join in with. You don't have to join in with it. That's entirely up to you, of course. Uh, but you can just listen to the rest of us joining in with it. But if you want to, they're going to be things that can. And I know, well, I won't say they will because it's very much down to you. But if you go with them with an open mind and you try these things over a period of time, they definitely will change your life for the better. And perhaps even more important, enable you to change other people's lives for the better, which is going to be a big theme of this show because it's at the very core of the nine freedoms, that service to others. And the other thing we're going to be doing from time to time, and it's going to be very haphazard and very whimsical, and just when I think now's a good time, we're going to be talking to Darren Ball. And Darren Ball uh, is someone who looks after our website. That's the Ethereum Society website uh, in many ways. And what he does is receive numerous uh, questions and comments. Uh, and also he'll be getting comments from my website, richardlawrence.co.uk. And we get 
questions in uh, to those all the time and comments all the time, but from new people. I don't want you to think these are coming from, you know, members of the Ethereum Society or people who work for me or even people I know. None of them are coming from people I know at all who have ever met or who have any connection with us. They're just people on the search, on the path, on the look who come across things and have well, I know that so I don't know all the questions that are coming, but I do know from what I've heard from Darren that some of them are what I call humdingers. If you know what a humdinger is, you know, they are really great questions and great observations. And uh, we'll be looking at those and trying to answer them if we possibly can. So if I possibly can, I should say, it's down to me. I've got to get used to this. I'm used to being a guest. I've done thousands of radio shows all over the world, uh, just Last week, actually, I was on with a good friend, George Norrie, on Coast to Coast AM in America. And that that goes to 620 radio stations, I'm told, um, uh, in, in, in America, in Mexico, in Canada, and so on. Uh, I think Guam is the other one, I'm just being told. And so that's... Uh, what you know just an example but I, i'm a regular over here in the uk on various stations and have it ha actually had uh, co-hosted a show on a station in the uk called lbc at one time that show was called the phenomena files so i'm quite used to being on shows but this is the first time i've had my own show broadcasting live on a radio station like wcetfm and uh, i must say it's very exciting a little nerve-wracking beforehand but uh I hopefully I'll get into my stride. So let's then start off as we mean to go on. Let's start with the nine freedoms. So what are they? Uh, uh, you know, you might never have heard of these and I wouldn't blame you if you hadn't. Why should you? If you haven't, that's because we haven't been able to get them over as much as we'd like to have done until now. Actually, you might be interested to know it's the 60th anniversary of the nine freedoms. They, they were delivered uh, and I'll explain how they were delivered in 1961, in uh, February and March, over a period of weeks. And each one of those nine freedoms was delivered on one day. And then maybe a few days later, another one would be delivered until all nine were delivered. And they were a series of uh, teachings uh, given through the mediumship of Dr. George King. Now, I have to warn you, folks, I've got a real bee in my bonnet about channeling. Um, I do it myself, so I'm certainly not against it. I've done it for 40 years. Nothing like what Dr. King does, by the way. Not in that league. I'm, I'm in a far, far lower league, but I do it and I believe in it. And I don't just believe in it, actually. I know it's true. You know, when you're given uh, a message, uh, as I have been, for example, in three minutes, and you only can concentrate on the words you're receiving and nothing else. You can't even think about their meaning. Uh, and then you finish and you find that what you've got there, what you've written down there, this is me I'm now talking about, what I do, is a poem. And it rhymes. And not only does it rhyme, it scans. And then you look it up and you find it's in iambic tetrameters, which you've never heard of. And then you find that it's a 17th century verse form in, in England. Um, and you get the name of one of the writers, which is Fouke Greville, who I'd never heard of. Um, and then you find that some of the words used in the language in that poem is 17th century English. And for those not familiar with it, it's the period of Shakespeare 
and others, Ben Johnson and others. And you think, OK, I know. Now, somebody might not believe me, of course. They might say, oh, you just made that up. Fine. Um, but what they can't say is that it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's fake. Well, they could say it's fake that I'm inventing it, but they can't really know that it's fake because I'm the only person who knows. And I don't really care, just so I'm clear here, at all. If they say that, whether they believe it or not, is of no interest to me. They want to read it in, in my book, God's Guides and Guardian Angels. They can read it. And, and, and some people have read it. And I've heard of people who've been in tears on reading it. I take no credit for that whatsoever, by the way, because I didn't write that poem. I channeled it. And the point is, it stands. I know I couldn't have made that up. In order to get a poem to rhyme, you've got to think about words and words that rhyme, and you've got to use your brain, and you've got you, it just doesn't fall on a page. And in order to get it in iambic tetrameters uh, throughout the poem, likewise. You just can't do that uh, in that way. If, if I did try and construct a 17th century poem about which I no, almost. I've never studied 17th century poetry in my life. It would take me, at, well, at more than hours. It would take me days, I think, not three minutes. So I know that from my own experience. I'm only giving you myself as an example, uh, just to show you that this isn't a vague, vague thing. This is an exact practice. And you can, it's a thing you can develop, you can work at if you chose to. I don't particularly recommend it, may I say. Uh, I think it's for certain people. I used to think it's for everyone. I don't think that at all now. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think there are far more useful things you could be learning, such as healing. Learn that. Uh, and certainly prayer, which we'll be coming to later. But, however, having said all of that, the kind of mediumship I've just described to you there that I do is far removed from the type of mediumship that Dr. George King did. He did a kind of mediumship that is so advanced, that is so exact, uh, that I don't think mediumship does it justice as a word at all. I, I think it's actually quite humble of him to even call it mediumship. Uh, he was doing a practice as a result of 10 years of training, uh, 10 years in which he practiced advanced forms of yoga, and I don't mean what people now think yoga is all about, namely keep fit, keep slim, tone your body, keep healthy. I mean kundalini yoga. I mean raja yoga. Uh, I mean bhakti yoga, mantra yoga, mudra yoga. These very advanced, extremely demanding practices, he did those uh, in his youth, in his 20s and his 30s for eight hours a day for 10 years before he was ever contacted and used as a channel by beings from other planets. Now, I actually, you know, this knocks the rest of us out the park, as, as people, as you say in America. It knocks us out of the park because I actually don't know of anybody else who's done that. And if they have, I mean, there are, of course, sadhus and yogis in the Himalayas and other parts who've done that. Uh, not maybe in the same way, but they devoted themselves to meditation or what have you. But Dr. King did jobs, driving jobs and other jobs to earn money. He didn't have money. He was living in London. He gained samadhi in Waterloo in London. If anywhere, if anybody knows where Waterloo is, it's a 
built-up area in London with a radio uh, with a, uh, a station in it, uh, a train station. So very, very different, and therefore he used Kundalini, which is a great mystic power within us all, uh, in his practice, uh, in his mediumship practice. And what he was actually doing was receiving pure beams of energy, thought beams channeled to a particular chakra or psychic center. I do apologize to listeners if I'm getting a bit overly technical here, but all I'm trying to show you is the exactitude, uh, the perfection, if you like. I would, he didn't use that word. I would use that word of the so-called mediumship that Dr. King used. And then you'll, I think, appreciate more where the nine freedoms was coming from. Um, this is, I mean, it leaves the rest of us. And when I say the rest of us, I'm going to even include people like Alice Bailey, you know, uh, who you may have heard of, the great uh, medium, or she didn't call herself a medium, actually, but theosophist from the early 20th century. People like that didn't get close to this. I think they'd admit it now. I believe they definitely would admit it now. I think they'd be delighted to admit it now. Uh, he was channeling. So his channeling, so-called, was on a whole different level from the, that other kind of channel. Now, I wanted to make that very clear in this program before we really get on to um, studying the nine freedoms, because I think then you're going to appreciate the more when we get down to studying, as we'll be doing, particularly in the second half of this program. But I think before I go off on a, a long rant about channeling, and believe me, I could, uh, I'm going to hold back because I do think it'd be nice to bring in some of these questions I mentioned to you, these comments, which, by the way, you can now send to us at uh, at our website. Um, so, uh, in fact, not at our website, to an email address, which I'll now give you, actually. It's spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. That's spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. And we do want to hear from you. We do want your questions. Make them humdingers, if you can. Make them questions that are really tough, if you like, or comments, any comments. And then Darren will uh, will look at those and then he'll bring them up, hopefully as many as possible anyway, in future shows. So let me now uh, welcome Darren to our first ever Spiritual Freedom Show. Welcome, Darren Ball. Hey, Richard. Fantastic to be on with you. It's really good to have you, Darren. Thanks for all your help in the background getting this show set up and working with uh, Tim Roxbury, our producer, to get us to this point to actually be on the air. It's, it is exciting, isn't it? Oh, I'm excited as you are. <laughs> Good. Okay, so let's start then, Darren, with, with with a question from your list. Do you want to explain what sort of people are writing these questions or sending in these questions? Sure, that's right. So you're right what you said before. So we receive lots of questions and comments, in fact, from um, newcomers who found us through the Ethereum Society website or yours. So um, what I've got for you on the show is a few I've picked out um, that I thought would be good. Um, and, you know, as people as people send them in over the, the weeks and months ahead, um, I'll be delighted to put these forward. So this is someone talking about the content they received about Dr. King's extraterrestrial contacts, as you've just been talking about. And she says, quote, Hi, I'm really enjoying the content you're putting out. It resonates on a deep level as truth. I find it hard to accept that the information is from extraterrestrials or clairvoyance, but I'm trying to keep an open mind while using my critical faculties. I've seen a few clairvoyants, and as much as I wanted to believe they were unconvincing, 
I'm intrigued how you guys can believe. How do you get to that belief? I think that's a great question, Darren, mm. uh, from that that uh, person who wrote that in. Um, and so she's, you know, she's finding, she, and it's an honest question. And I think I'd be the same, by the way. I think it is hard to accept. As a matter of fact, I find it very difficult to accept most claims of contacts with extraterrestrials. And I'll go further. I don't. I don't accept most claims of contacts. I don't say by any means that Dr. King's the only one. Uh, for me, he's certainly uh, by far the greatest that I've ever come across. And of course, the Ethereum Society is, I think it's true to say, the oldest international uh, UFO contact organization in the world. And so it, you cannot be compared uh, with any other. Uh, in in its content and 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 the depth and the level of it, but of course there are other many others who've had one kind of experience or another, but certainly not all. So I don't think that's bad. And also she she's been to clairvoyance and she's found them unconvincing. And I'm sorry, I, I have I, although I wrote a book actually, my best-selling book is called Unlock Your Psychic Powers. I would have to agree with that too, that you know you can go to clairvoyance and 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 they're not and and i i did a radio show i mentioned earlier actually on lbc where clairvoyance mediums would come in and psychics every t every week and you know some of them they were all sincere or we wouldn't have had them in the studio but they weren't 100 percent necessarily and sometimes they weren't uh, interpreting it right i could talk at length about that but i won't now so the nub of her question though is though how do i bring myself to believe in this and what i'd first of all say is don't rush it don't force yourself don't worry if you don't know there's three words and i, I i'm a, it's not an exact quote but uh, socrates said something like he was the wisest man because he knew what he didn't know and it, it's a great thing and an important thing to be able to say i don't know and you can say it about this show, by all means, you can say, look, I don't know whether this is true. I don't know whether Richard Lawrence is, is what he says he is, or certainly what, if Dr. King is what Richard Lawrence says he is. And I wouldn't expect you to. Uh, what I would suggest you do, though, uh, if you're sincerely seeking truth, uh, is to examine it and to test it. I mean, the nine freedoms I've read the nine freedoms over a hundred times. That's uh, that's conservative. I'm sure a lot more than a hundred times. And every time I do, I get more wisdom from it. And one thing I found with the nine freedoms and other things channeled through Dr. King is that there, the content stands up to the rigor of examination. It's consistent. Uh, there is proof for those who look for it. Um, I was lucky I knew Dr. King, so I know he was genuine from my own experience. But I don't expect anyone to believe that. I don't even want them to believe it just because I say it. Look at it. Test it. Find out if it works in your life. Find out if it meets your standards of truth. Uh, find out if it uh, gels with your intuitive ability. And if you don't think you've got intuitive ability, and I'm delighted to be the one to tell you, you do. It just needs developing, and hopefully we can help you with that too. So just keep an open mind, look into it, examine it. Uh, that would be my advice to this, this questioner, and test it in your life. And if you're willing to do that, you will find that it's true. That I know from my own experience. And do the same with any other claims you come across that uh, 
you know, that you're interested in. Uh, but nothing, I mean, Dr. King himself didn't expect people to take his word for it, but he did say this. It either, these contacts, these messages either came from extraterrestrials, as he claimed, or they were invented by him. And if they were invented by him and they're great, as they are, then he must be great. And he's not claiming that he was great. So either way, go by the content and the value of the message itself. Yeah, thanks, Richard. I think what you've just said there about intuition actually is a great segue into the next comment I've, I've pulled up here um, and developing that. And, uh, this person um, has said, spiritual truth is ex extremely important to me. I found myself r having a rather on-offish connection with my intuitive side, don't we all? And I want to be able to learn how to trust it and tune into it more. And I always find myself looking for deeper meanings behind things in life. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, a journey. That's not like a one answer to one question thing. It's something we're all honing and learning. I call it you getting into a kind of a groove that you start to recognize when you're on and you, when you're not on. But in the early stages, what I again would say, a bit similar to the last one, is to test it when it's safe. I mean, don't do something radical. I've got an intuitive feeling and then do something dangerous or foolish. Then if in doubt, don't do it. But if it's something very simple, and I've come across amazing things. I, I, I came across a chap, by the way, just to give an example, who felt intuitively to go to a cemetery. He didn't know why and follow his intuition. And it led him to a particular gravestone, he told me, in this cemetery. And on the name of that gravestone was the name George King. Hmm. And he'd never heard of us or, or, or the Dr. King or any the theory study or me or anything. And that was like very, very strange. And uh, he didn't know what it meant. And he still didn't know what he meant. And shortly afterwards, he was in a bookshop in Windsor, which is in England near where near, near Windsor Castle, where the royals live. Uh, but he was in that bookshop. And as he was looking, a book fell on his head from a higher shelf, he told me. No. And he opened it up and it was Unlock Your Psychic Powers, book I mentioned earlier. And the dedication in it was to Dr. George King, because I had permission from Dr. King to dedicate that book to him. And then he thought, my goodness, because he remembered the intuition of guiding him to that gravestone, wow. saw this name just, just afterwards, and then he got interested in, in the Aetherius Society and in these teachings. So that's what I would say to this question of follow your intuition. If it's safe, you know, if it's like I go down such and such a road and you've got time, go down that road. If you bump into somebody that you uh, were been, been really looking for and you wanted to meet you've lost touch with them and that took you there try to remember the feeling that led you there and as with things like that so is something far more important like truth let it guide you uh, through truth but don't lose your logical faculty as well that's what i do find sometimes in the new age movement uh, and the mind body spirit movement that some people throw out, as they used to say, the baby with the bathwater. What a terrible phrase that is. But, mm. you know, just don't lose your logical discriminating faculty as well. You don't need to have both. And I think talking of, of having, you know, your intuition and your discriminating logical faculty, I think that leads us to our, our guest, doesn't it? Uh, our first special guest on the show because that's what she does with astrology and that's uh, my very good friend Chrissy Blaze are you on the line Chrissy I think she's muted I think Chrissy has been muted somewhere down the line can we unmute Chrissy 
Yeah, I'm just trying to do that. Just a moment. Okay. Well, while we're waiting for that to happen, uh, let's. Uh, is Chrissy there now? I'm just going to bring her back in another way. Okay. All right. Well, we lost her there. So um, when you when you've got her, you let us know then, Darren, please. Uh, when when Chrissy's. Are you there, Chrissy? I'm there, yes. Oh, we lost you for a moment. Okay. Uh, So I was just introducing you, and I was just uh, going to say you're a classically trained astrologer who specializes in evolutionary astrology. You're the author of 12 books, and your latest one, um, I think I had the honor to to comment on, and that's Earth, Astrology's Missing Planet, the brilliant concept I thought it was as well uh, behind that book. And you're going to be talking to us about astrology for this year, I believe. Yes, that's right, Richard. And I must say, thank you for inviting me to be a guest on this very first show, this very exciting show of spiritual freedom. So I wish you all the very best for that. Thanks, Chrissy. I'm going to give a broad overview of this new year from an astrological perspective, 2021, that is. Last year, as we all know, was a rather difficult one for many people. It was one of uh, limitation and often discipline imposed upon us. However, for some, it was a very interesting, very positive time of a focus, more focus on and building up of the inner self. And also, we saw many examples of compassionate service, which were very inspiring. But this year is, has a very different tone to it. It's a time of change, a change from one 200-year astrological era to another, which began on the day of the winter solstice a couple of weeks ago, December the 21st. This was a day, as many people know, of the coming together of the great uh, planets Jupiter and Saturn. And this was known as the Great Conjunction at zero degrees Aquarius, right at the beginning of the sign of Aquarius. And this was so rare astronomically that the last time we could witness this event in the night sky was 800 years ago, 1226. Um, It was so rare astrologically that the last time these two planets met right at the beginning of Aquarius was 1405 during the great renaissance in Europe and we are now entering I believe another great renaissance for earth. This renaissance will come in slowly and with difficulties at the beginning and many will feel more this year I think uh, a sort of uncertainty as we enter this unknown period. But I urge people to go with this flow of change. It's it's a a divine flow, if you like. The planets are advanced, highly advanced, living uh, intelligences, creating a great cosmic symphony of energies, assisting us all and all life in the solar system in its evolution. We've moved from an era of materialism, with these two planets joining together in the Earth signs, uh, with this began around the time of the Industrial Revolution and ended with great material excess. I think we'd all agree there's more billionaires now than ever before, while millions of people still go hungry. And we're entering an overlay, if you like, of the 2160 Aquarian age, which began in the early 1960s. We're heading this year into another almost 200-year renaissance, with Jupiter and Saturn now joining in the air signs from the from the earth signs. And slowly but surely, uh, more people, I believe, will seek Aquarian values of things like humanitarianism, uh, a new spirituality, 
such as the one you're talking about today, Richard, breaking free of old ways of thinking and being and, and working together in groups for the good of mankind and the earth, especially the earth upon which we live. We're entering a time when technological and the scientific advancement will be used for the good of all. It's To me, it's as if the planets are calling us to move forward in our evolution, very exciting time. And it is, but it is imperative, it's very important that a critical mass of people must now more fully realize its uh, humanity. The energies of Jupiter and Saturn will continue to assist us throughout 2021, urging us, uh, the Saturnian influence is urging us to work hard together in a wise, focused and disciplined way for the good of the whole. And the Jupiterian energies will bring us, if we do that, sort of gifts of divine opportunity, abundance, good fortune, joy, and virtual miracles upon Earth. This transition will, however, not be easy. Courage will be needed. We should be aware that the planet Uranus, which is the planet that rules the sign of Aquarius, is kind of upsetting this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction through making a difficult, what's called a square aspect. And it's a difficult mix of energies. Uranus is the planet of sudden change. And Taurus, the sign of which it's in now, does not. And it's sort of our feels as if our heels are dug in the floor. And it's about shaking the unshakable. And we can expect to see sudden changes and intense struggles play out on the world stage, especially January, February, and a couple more times in 2021. And this intense energy builds up from January the 14th and is intensified even more by Mars coming into the mix from January the 18th to the 23rd. This is an explosive combination that we should watch because it peaks, not by chance, on the day of the presidential inauguration on January the 20th, potentially bringing violence and riots uh, as well as possible uh, natural disasters, environmental accidents, etc. around this time. So do be aware of that. There are many important days in 2021, but since time is limited, I want to focus on what is, astrologically speaking, uh, a truly significant day and one of the most important days of the entire year, and that is February the 11th, 2021. On this day, a new moon in Aquarius is part of a six-planet lineup known as a stellium in astrology. This is when all planets are lined up in a row very closely together. These planets are the Sun, the new moon, Mercury, which is retrograde, Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn. And also, uh, there's also um, an asteroid too, but I'm counting the planets. It brings tremendous power and intensity and a ramping up even more of all that Aquarius symbolizes. This alignment in, uh, is very similar in a way to the, it parallels, I think, the seven planet in Aquarius lineup, Stellium, experienced on February the 5th, 1962, which some listeners may remember or may know about. Very important time. And that was, in fact, sort of heralding in the beginning of the Aquarian age and launched major cultural and spiritual shifts in consciousness in the 1960s. This alignment next month is similar launching point, I believe, for global change, which will affect all of us. And the best advice, though, during these very potent planetary events is to adopt 
a spiritual approach, giving service where you can, spiritual practices, bringing harmony and healing, because this will help to balance for you and our world the extreme nature of these energies, which although good in every way, all the planetary alignments are good, but it can be difficult for us to cope with unless we're ready for this powerful energy. This is yet another Aquarian infusion of energies. It's as if I think we passed through the door on December 21st, and we're now coming out the other side, ready to meet this chain. I urge you, actually, to join in powerful global prayer for our world. And, and one thing I suggest, you might want to visit uh, www, it's a website, 12blessings.org, that's 12blessings.org. Um, this frequent services are held, beautiful services are held on this site that you can join in. And this is, you're joining with people from many countries in absolutely beautiful services of the 12 blessings. This group prayer for the good of all is the essence of Aquarius and will be extremely helpful for you and for the world during this entire year. So, because it's a very powerful year, it's a year of change, it's very, very intense. But I believe that nobody can resist a new era whose time has come. And this is what we're in. The energies of the planets are irresistible, but it's still our choice how we use them. Astrology inclines, but it does not compel. We have free will. It's wise, though, I think, to embrace the changes that are coming to make by making positive changes within ourselves, letting go of the past that has held us back and moving forward by realizing more fully our humanity, by studying the wisdom of the masters, such as listening to this important new radio show, Spiritual Freedom. Again, this year of change will not be easy, especially at the beginning. It will require courage, determination, and I think equal doses of strength and compassion. But if we focus on realizing our divine potential, as well as giving service to others in our world, it will be absolutely fantastic. And it's up to us to make it so. So thank you so much for listening to this brief overview and have a very joyful, healthy and spiritually abundant 2021. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Chrissy. That was really great. I think everyone can tell. I'm sure all our listeners can tell Chrissy really knows what she's talking about and uh, how encouraging and how inspiring. And Thank do you. go to Chrissy uh, her, to her website. It's, it's fantastic for her insights. That's uh, www.astrologycity.com. And uh, get in touch with Chrissy because she really knows her stuff, as you can all tell. Thanks very much for being our first uh, special guest on the Spiritual Freedom Show. Thank so thank you. Thank you. And so moving on then, uh, that's that's uh, looks like we're in tune with the uh, astrological alignments uh, on this show. And uh, we, we we're doing exactly, I hope, what uh, we should be doing and uh, which we are being uh, guided to do. And this year, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be celebrating the 60th anniversary of the nine freedoms uh that they were channeled i give you the exact dates actually between february the 12th and march the 15th 1961 and as i explained very briefly he was in a deep samadic trance condition samadhi being the highest form of meditation uh when he did this so his uh channeling 
is absolutely accurate. Um, that cannot be said of nearly all mediums, by the way. Um, I mentioned I do some, at a much more basic level, some channeling from people from this earth, not beyond it, from other realms. You can see some of that if you're interested on my website, but it's, you know, I'd, I'd actually recommend you far more to the nine freedoms than, than that by a long chalk. But um, I only mention it because I have to work really, really hard uh, to get it accurate. And I believe I do now, after 40 years, uh, get it accurate enough that um, I don't say it's 100 percent, but that, um, you know, it, it's certainly not seriously wrong either. There's nothing in it that is, is really out. But I don't think most mediums or channelers even realize that you have to work that hard at it, that they, they think anyone who tells you it's easy, you, you can rule them out. I'm afraid it's not. It's very difficult. And you've got to stop your own thoughts coming in. And most people can't do that. And they don't do that. And so what you get is a combination of your thoughts, you, the channel, and the person delivering it. Uh, but Dr. King, of course, being a master of yoga and a very advanced master of yoga, before he was ever used for this, he is able to completely eliminate uh, his own thoughts and only bring through the communicator. And we need to introduce to you now who that communicator is. As I mentioned, on this particular show, we'll be spending a little time on how the nine freedoms came about. Uh, and, not, and in future shows, we'll just be studying them. Now, the the communicator, uh, we have a name for him. I say him. I don't believe it's necessarily a him alone. Uh, it's this intelligence, I believe, is so great that it would not be limited to a sex, be it male or female. Uh, it would at least be uh, capable of either or both. Um, but we're going to just say him. Uh, because that's how uh, it's given. And the name we're given is Mars Sector 6, which must be some kind of a code name, but is it, is, is, it's kind of um, revealing code name because it signifies his connection with the planet Mars. And when I say the planet Mars, you might say, well, nobody can live on Mars, nobody can live on Venus, nobody can live on Jupiter. Actually, the Astronomer Royal over here, uh, I did an interview on, on radio with him, and he actually, might surprise you, was open to the idea of life on Mars and Venus. It surprised me, I can tell you, and Jupiter and, and other planets. Um, we, we, of course, in this little old, old, this old country, we have a royal astronomer royal. That's just a habit. But he's like, if you like, our top astronomer in Britain. And yeah, he was open to life on all these planets. When I'm talking here, though, about life on Mars, I don't necessarily mean physical life as we know it on Earth. Uh, I mean life that you might not even be able to see. Uh, if you were able to get there, you might not see any of that life at all. That's being looked at, by the way, that concept by people, especially last year, uh, our, our British astronomer, Dr. Helen Sharman, uh, who, who was a, an a, not astronomer, astronaut, I should say, looked at the possibility of so-called invisible alien life. And I noticed so recently did a, a former director of the um, CIA, John Brennan, under, I believe, under Obama, um, look at the the prospect of alien life but not as we know it so please 
do realize when I say life on Mars, I mean a higher frequency of life on Mars, which could not even be visible to us. And Mars Sector 6, who or what is Mars Sector 6? Well, Dr. King, he had a number of intelligences from different planets who communicated through him. But he would he did say that Mars Sector 6 was certainly one of, if not the most advanced intelligence who ever used him as a channel and as far as we know mars sector 6 has never communicated in this way through somebody on this planet before and to illustrate i'm going to give just my own take uh, on what sort of intelligence we might be talking about and i'm going to refer you now to an old teaching but one that has basically underpinned western civilization for thousands of years not that we've really followed it very well but we should have done and it's been there and that is of course the ten commandments uh it's underpinned at least three of our major religions and this we're told was given by i think the bible calls it the lord god or the lord thy god or some such phrase let's just say a great lord who by the way uh, traveled i believe i'm right in saying according to the bible in a cloud and that of course as so many times in the bible old testament and new is a ufo or they now i notice they now call them uaps unidentified aerial phenomenon no 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 um not aerial um atmospheric i think is the word i, I I'll, I'll check that out but they're uaps uh, and that's just a, a reinvention of the term. But it was some kind of vehicle, I believe, in which this intelligence traveled. A great intelligence, a lord. Um, what, we, what may well have been what you might call a lord of karma. And um, that, of course, is as high as it gets, as far as we're concerned. That's a very advanced intelligence indeed. And I would say that Mars Sector 6 is that caliber of being, a, a, a lord, a lord of karma, if you like. And that just gives you kind of an insight. Now, when I say that, I, I want to just say this. The Ten Commandments were given to a very basic people. And as I say, we haven't followed them very well. The people, I say they were basic because that's how they're described in the Bible. And uh, he's constantly having to reprimand them uh, for their behavior. And they have to be basic, these teachings, simple and easy to follow, which the Ten Commandments are. Uh, they are. They are for all people, but they are not, in their the way they're delivered anyway, advanced mystical teachings. They're simple laws, which we should follow um and we should certainly follow the essence of them in our lives and as i say we've only done a limited job of doing that now in fact at the time uh, just based on what the bible says they didn't stick to it for very long either because pretty soon after after moses left uh they were at war killing and so on and one of the one of the ten commandments is of course thou shalt not kill but i don't judge them for that because you could look at many religions including christianity to name just one and you'll find that they drifted quite a long way away pretty quickly uh, once they became established from what was delivered to them but going back to mars sector six 
he has given in the nine freedoms a much, much more advanced teaching than, say, the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is taken as read. We should know it. Uh, we should understand the principles of it and we should follow those principles. Uh, it's, you know, I've obviously been through translation and I'm not saying every word of the Bible is true, but there's so much in it that is unarguable. It's, it's just great statement of law. But the nine freedoms is far, far more advanced. Now, in case that sort of worries you and you think, oh, dear, I mean, I, you know, I'm not ready for advanced stuff. I'm, you know, and, and you think perhaps of some theosophical writings which are, or other mystical writings which are extremely complicated and, you know, maybe Rosicrucian or from some other school and very verbose and you virtually need a dictionary on every page. And it's not that at all, because as you'll see, Mars Sector 6 gives his teachings in a very simple way. So he's giving, they're not all advanced, but some of them are advanced. But even the advanced teachings he's giving are given in a very simple, understandable and brief manner. Here is a, a teacher, as you'll discover, who doesn't use words unless he needs to. And when he needs to, he uses as few as possible. And he puts it down sometimes in just, say, four or five words. You've got a, a vast teaching. That's something we're going to, I think, develop in this in this program. And uh, he keeps it short. So it's, it's really different from some things that we think of. We tend to think it's a great shame, actually, because we tend to think of advanced mystical teaching as an intellectual, complicated thing. And it doesn't have to be so. And you don't have to be an intellectual or a highly educated person to practice it. I know people who have had very poor educations for one reason or another in their upbringing and have done manual work all their life who are far more capable of recognizing the truth of a mystical teaching than some high court judges and some uh, intellectual teachers at Oxford or Harvard or wherever, wherever it may be. It's, it's about perception. And the nine freedoms is delivered in a way that you can't mistake. And it's, I mean, I love it, as, you, as you'll have gathered. It's my favorite book on the planet. I'll, I'll come straight out and let me say that, which is why I'm so thrilled about this show and this opportunity to, to put it to you. But it's not put in a way, it's not just for the advanced mystic, it's not just for the person who's practiced yoga for years, not at all. It could be for a, a complete newcomer, uh, someone who's completely new to the spirit, to spiritual thinking, someone who's been immersed, engaged. And I, I, I bet there are people who'll, who'll admit this, uh, that they've been engaged in in material things, in legal things, in political things, in you know recreational things, and they haven't put their mind to spirituality until now. Now they're suddenly interested in it, and this book will not uh, leave you at all. It won't uh, won't pass you by. So we're going to come on to that, and in the in the second half of this show, we're going to be exploring it, and we're going to not just read from it uh we're going to hear mars sector six delivering just a few words through dr king which was tape recorded so you'll not only hear the words but you'll hear the voice of this vast intelligence as i say one that dr king said was 
probably the most advanced intelligence that he'd ever, you know, had ever come into contact with us or with him through the Ethereum Society. Uh, and you're going to hear it. By the way, I would like to just say that Dr. King himself, in the book The Nine Freedoms, and 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 you will have gathered that I do recommend that book. I recommend it above any book I wrote. That's for sure. It's a most fantastic book. Uh, but in it is a commentary by Dr. King. And the thing about Dr. King is that I feel that he was really in tune with Mars Sector 6, if that's the right, if I could be so bold as to say that, that the teachings delivered uh, in the Nine Freedoms were absolutely the spirit and the manner of Dr. King himself and the life that he led. And uh, we'll talk in future shows, I think, about the life that Dr. King led because it was an impeccable life. And we're very lucky because sometimes you don't have that in a, in the leader of a spiritual movement. Um, and I'm certainly not going to claim it, my, you know, that I or others involved uh, would claim to have led an impeccable life. But Dr. King did. And it's a really fantastic example uh, of the nine freedoms. And so when he talks about it, he really gets to the kernel of it because he's so in tune with it. And likewise, he's given lectures on it. And these are available, too. You can actually get the audio lectures. You can also get the audio transmissions, as we call them. Cosmic transmissions are extraterrestrial messages. You can hear them. You can have those and you can study them you know, in your own time and listen to a whole freedom, for example. But we're not going to do that on this show. Uh, Dr. King, when he gave a lecture, he'd devote one lecture to a to a freedom. We're going to break it down much, much more than that. We're going to break it down to just a few lines. And we're going to really have the space, which Dr. King didn't have, to go much further into those few lines and really look at them. And as I say, you can write in too to spiritual freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk and you can you know, share your experiences because experience is the greatest gift from, uh, from man or God to man. It's the greatest thing. And that, by the way, was a quote from a transmission. But it's, it's the greatest thing we have. And we want to know your experiences. So do write in, as I say, to spiritual freedom of richardlawrence.co.uk. So after the break, uh, we'll get a couple more questions from Darren. Then we'll go right in and we'll listen. And we'll hear these words from Mars Sector 6 channeled in that very advanced form of mediumship, which I described to you. And then we'll look at what they really mean. And in the meantime, I'm told we now have to go for an advert break. And I'm sure it's very important that we do that. And uh, far be it from me to uh, fall out of line with our wonderful producer, Tim Roxbury. So I'm going to hand over now to Tim for our advert break. And then we'll be coming back to you shortly for more on the nine freedoms. And our guest, don't forget, is coming up with his moment of truth, Jack Stafford, later in the program. So thanks all for listening, and over to you, Tim. You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. WCT.FM has just released the app. So now you can take WCT radio everywhere you go. Just go to the Google Play Store and search WCT.FM. That's W-C-E-T space F-M and install it. Then it's ready to go. Oh, and did I mention it's free? Well, it is. W-C-E-T-F-M. We got the app. 
this is Michael from WCETradio.com. Join me here Wednesday live from 7 to 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Take Point 22. We're going to talk about bipolar 2, depression, anxiety, and PTSD, and how it affects us every day in our lives. And we'll get some resources and possibly talk in depth on how we can avoid some of the triggers that are associated with it. So join us live right here on WCETradio.com. Late-nighters and WCET radio listeners around the world, listen up. The shop is here. And you can order WCET Radio and your favorite show's swag right now. And show your friends and your neighbors you're awake by wearing one of our many shirts, including our Stop the Censorship shirt. That one is a hot seller. So get yours while supplies last. We have coffee mugs, clocks so you never miss your favorite shows, books, mouse pads, and more coming soon. Just go to WCETradio.com and click the Shop link. That's WCETradio.com and get to shopping. Carolina Radio, Columbia. Excellent, excellent. Number one means you're always on top. Your number one radio. Pet Connect Plus offers a connection to your pet, living or past with the use of tarot. Ruby, the owner and intuitive reader for Pet Connect Plus, will make a connection to your pet for guidance on specific questions and general past, present, and future readings of your pet. A connection with an owner and a pet together will run $55 for 50 minutes, or a connection with one pet alone is $35 for 30 minutes. What a deal. Pet Connect Plus can be found at PetConnectPlus.com and on Facebook at PetConnectPlus. Connect with Pet Connect Plus so we can make a connection with your beloved pet to provide them with a fulfilling and rewarding relationship with you. Get connected today. PetConnectPlus.com Hey, late-nighters, keep up with all things WCET Radio by joining our mailing list. Just go to the bottom of the homepage and fill in the Stay Informed form. Then click the Get Latest News button. You will get everything from guest info and show info and other important station-related information. So sign up now and get a special promo offer just for email subscribers. What if I told you that you can order quality jewelry that is lead and nickel-free for just 5 bucks? Crazy, right? Not so much. Paparazzi jewelry is quality jewelry. And the best part is, when you buy from Crystal, she donates a portion to help fight epilepsy. So upgrade your look with quality jewelry, paparazzi jewelry. You can click on the banner on the chat and listen page on the station that covers everything. WCET Radio. Late-nighters and WCET radio listeners around the world, listen up. The shop is here, and you can order WCET radio and your favorite show's swag right now. And show your friends and your neighbors you're awake by wearing one of our many shirts, including our Stop the Censorship shirt. 
That one is a hot seller. So get yours while supplies last. We have coffee mugs, clocks, so you never miss your favorite shows, books, mouse pads, and more coming soon. Just go to WCETradio.com and click the shop link. That's WCETradio.com and get to shopping. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome back to the Spiritual Freedom Show. Richard Lawrence here, and this is the second hour of our first ever Spiritual Freedom Show, broadcasting on the first Saturday of the month. Later on, we're going to be speaking to Jack Stafford about his moment of truth, what it is that brought him and led him to finding a spiritual path, and that's going to be a very interesting story. But Darren, I think, first of all, you've got a couple of questions there waiting for me and or comments, and I think we're all looking forward to hearing from you again. So Darren Ball. Hey, Richard. So I've got another one here for you. Um, since we've been talking about religion a little bit, this person has asked, can I trust the religious books if they've been tampered with and is there still value in reading them mm. that's a great question actually darren i mean because because i just mentioned the ten commandments as well so that's Indeed. interesting um well as i said i don't believe every word that's written in the bible uh, as being accurate because it's been through translations and it's been through uh, doctoring by certain political factions at certain times i think it's a quite a collection of things but what you can see in certain and I'd apply the same actually to the hindu i mean the hindu texts were supposed to have been uh, transmitted nobody knows for how many centuries uh, by word of mouth before they were ever written down at all and that was reliant on what they call perfect memories so obviously you do have uh, issues to think about when you're looking at older teachings, which is another great thing, by the way, about the nine freedoms, because the nine freedoms uh, cannot be uh, tampered with. It's exactly recorded in audio form. What I would say, though, about these teachings, you can still see a pattern. Let's just name one thing. Let's just talk about, say, UFOs in the Bible, which I've been talking about a lot over Christmas on various programs. Um, you can see a pattern there. You can see over and over again sort of spiritual connection, the Star of Bethlehem being perhaps the most famous, between UFOs or objects traveling through the sky, uh, sometimes carrying people, uh, sometimes bearing great messages like to Ezekiel and so on. And, and that's a consistent pattern. And also in a teaching like we have the Ten Commandments in the form we have it. We have the Sermon on the Mount in the form we have it. I mean, who knows how exactly accurate that is? I don't think there were, certainly weren't tape recorders on the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, the, you know, we're reliant on people either remembering it or those who could write, which wouldn't be most of them, probably, uh, recording it accurately. So, but you can strip that away, though, I'd say. And even if you don't have a completely reliable record, you can still identify some great 
teachings. I mean, I'd apply that by the same thing to newspapers. I mean, how reliable are they? How reliable are certain people's biographies based on their memory? Well, they can't all be true because different people contradict each other. So you get that, I'm afraid. Now, the, the good news is that you don't get it in the transmissions of three through Dr. George King because they are recorded on magnetic tape and nobody can doctor them and mess them about. You, you'll hear the exact words and we're going to play you the exact words every single time on the Spiritual Freedom Show. We, we look at these teachings. You're going to hear exactly the words that were delivered at the time. And that that is really unique in history. You could never have got that in the older philosophies. I think it's inspiring actually to hear about other people's experiences with the nine freedoms too, which brings me to this this next comment I've got here from someone completely new to, to our teachings who said, um, I have had a copy of the nine freedoms on my bookshelf for some time, and I can honestly say that I have no idea how it got there. I do not remember buying it, and it does not look like the kind of book I would just purchase on a whim. So over the past week, I found my attention drawn to it. And finally, last Sunday, I took it down and started reading it, something I find I could do with ease. I must say I was quite blown away by the lucid, clear, and pertinent information that leapt out of those pages. I've devoured this book and will be acquiring the rest of Dr. King's work as soon as I can. I felt it was no accident that I was strangely drawn to that book, and I feel this mind-blowing and life-changing information has been placed in my life at precisely the right time. I cannot overstate the importance of spiritual truth in my life, or anyone's for that matter. When you spend a long time studying this kind of material... You learn to get a feel of what is true, and your intuition tells you if something feels right. And I am in no doubt that the work of Dr. King and his adept interlocutors is essential spiritual truth. Gosh, and I, you know that sounds almost as though it could have been written by you, know, <laughs> <I know. laughs> by you or me or somebody in the Ethereum society, and it wasn't, of course. And uh, that—that's these are people who are just coming to us, people we don't know at all, and they're saying these things, and actually. I think one statement made by uh, Dr. King in The Nine Freedoms is that this is a book that doesn't come to anybody by chance, that uh, there'll be a, a reason why it's come to them, and uh, it will be you know, a real part of their karmic pattern, really, in a way. Those aren't the words used, but I think it is said this, will, this book will not come to anybody by chance. Um, so... That's true. And obviously, this questioner was meant to come across this book. Um, and I'm sure there's a reason for it. And uh, I'm sure that uh, I echo really their sentiment. I can't really improve on what they've said themselves. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to read you now the exact words because um, it's just been passed to me as we speak here because I don't know all these questions which are coming up. And uh, where are we? Where are we? So, um, Oh yes, on the on the cover actually on the, um, the 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 book flaps or whatever they're they're called. As you open the hardback, it says no one will ever read this book by chance. So I think that questioner there has absolutely proved that. Talking of getting my facts straight, by the way, in the first half I've I've also got this information being given to me. I mentioned UAPs and they're using that now instead of UFOs. I think they're doing it probably to try and stop you know, remove attention from the phenomenon, which some governments and people are very keen to do. That stands for unidentified aerial phenomena. 
which really, I mean, what's the difference? But there you are. That's what they've done. Well, thanks for those questions, Darren. Let's then, you know, stop uh, teasing and let's get to the exact teachings we're going to hear. And I do want to say again that they're pearls. Actually, we were told, and again, in an old book in the Bible, in the Sermon on the Mount, actually, which I just referred to, we were told by Jesus that we shouldn't cast pearls before swine. That was the phrase uh, I mean, that he used, not me. But uh, a few months after the Nine Freedoms, Mars Sector said in six said in another transmission, and I quote, In these days the pearls are cast. If you be wise, you'll find them amid the dust of life's road and cherish them, rejecting all else. And this is a big change from thousands of years in which the higher mystical teachings were really kept in secret and given only to the few who'd proven themselves. Now they're available to everyone. Uh, they've traveled, a lot of them, from the East, not only the East, but often from the East. And there is, I have to say, a lot of rubbish out there, uh, a lot of false claims, inventions, delusions, fabrications. Uh, there, some people say, you know, has the New Age movement sold out? And some people say, has the body-mind-spirit become just body-mind and lost its spirit? And I can understand why they ask those questions. But when it comes to the nine freedoms, the answer is no. Uh, they, they, these are real pearls. And if you can recognize them um, on, along the road, the dusty road, then that's absolutely marvelous. Now, as I said, we're not going to take the whole freedom, but I must tell the people who are completely new to them what these nine freedoms are. So I'm going to name the nine in order as they were given a few days apart in that February-March period of 1961. So they are as follows. One, bravery. Two, love. Three, service. Four, enlightenment. Five, cosmic consciousness. Six, ascension. Seven, interplanetary existence. Eight, Saturnian existence, and nine, solar existence. Now, don't worry if you haven't memorized that. It'll be coming back and back to you uh, over the months. But I just want to say that we're going to focus in this particular show, this first show, on one of the most important of them, of them and one which really applies to all of us, something really practical that we can all do, and I would say all should do, and that is the third freedom of service. So we're going to hear this one-minute extract. I'm going to ask Tim just in a moment to play it. I would suggest to you that you listen to it with reverence because, you know, the more uh, reverence, appreciation you give a thing, the more powerful it will work in your life. That's the reason for it. And so the more open you are, the more receptive you are, the better. That's just a piece of advice. Now, of course, some people listen to this. They might be driving a car. They might be uh, doing something when it'd be dangerous for them to stop. Uh, don't uh, stop anything like that. But if you are sitting down and you're at home or you're somewhere perhaps out in the country and you can stop for a moment and stand still, I would suggest you do that. I would suggest you just prepare yourself, that you close your eyes and listen to these words that I'm now going to ask you, Tim, please to play to us from the third freedom by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King. If you would a be a free from the materialistic, a prison cunningly devised to enslave you, you would serve 
if you would, be detached from your own petty worries, you would serve, if you would enjoy a better health, you would serve, so that's the extract. That's Mars Sector 6 speaking through Dr. King. And uh, it's the voice, I believe, of a Lord of Karma. And if I'm right about the Ten Commandments, it could be something like the physical voice heard by Moses of old. And this makes it a pronouncement. It makes it a teaching. And coming from that source, it makes it a law as well. Um, and so let me just read to you those words again. If you would be free from the materialistic prison cunningly devised to enslave you, you would serve. If you would be detached from your own petty worries, you would serve. If you would enjoy better health, you would serve. I think we all want to be detached from our own petty worries, do we not? Uh, we may not even think they're petty, which may be part of the problem, by the way. Uh, we might think they're actually worse than they really are, and that can cause anxiety. Uh, if we would enjoy better health, we want to have that, don't we? Uh, we're given a way of doing it, and we're going to look at those. But first of all, let's look at the first sentence there. If you would be free from the materialistic prison, cunningly devised to enslave you, you would serve. What does that mean? This is what I, this is my take on it. We're all in a materialistic prison on this physical realm of one kind or another, but most people don't recognize it. They certainly don't know that this materialistic prison that we're in was cunningly devised and cunningly devised to enslave us. I think people are, some people are becoming more aware of this. You know, just as William Wilberforce and, and other abolitionists, not only in Britain, but in America and elsewhere, fought the diabolical slave trade, still exists today, by the way, in a different form, but so active spiritual workers, which hopefully will include you if you're interested in the ideas we're putting over on this show, uh, we are fighting the devisers of the materialistic prison. We're fighting to free the prisoners who've been enslaved in so many ways. I mean, the one, perhaps the most obvious one, uh, is that the billions of people who suffer from poverty and destitution, and I mean billions of people, uh, they can't break free of this because those who do hold the purse strings, and let's not run away with the idea there isn't enough money, there's just not enough shared money and people won't let them at least be protected from the worst ravages of their poverty and destitution. I mean, you know, I know some some very, very wealthy people uh, do give to charitable causes, of course. Uh, they don't give really a fraction, mostly, of what they could give, but it's still very welcome. But it's not enough. But it's not just about poverty either, because I want to go further. Those who are more wealthy, those who might be described as middle classes or even the super rich, I could say especially the super rich, are its prisoners too. They're enslaved in a different way, a more comfortable way, a more physically comfortable way anyway. But uh, 
it's their desires, their own selfish desires which enslave them. You know, they've got the yacht, but they haven't got the plane. And uh, while they're saving up for the plane, a thousand people die. I mean, that's going on. And, and, you know, to lesser extremes than that. It's happening all the time. And by the way, if you were to ask me who runs this physical world, is it the politicians or is it the financiers? That's a question a lot of people ask. I, my answer would be definitely the financiers, by the way. The politicians, and I mean, I do know of some who had high office and who never really felt they had much influence over what really happened. Um, we even know that Winston Churchill couldn't get to the bottom of what flying saucers are, even though he tried. And he was prime minister. He just helped to win uh, a war. Uh, and, uh, you know, not that I'm, you know, advocating war by any means, but he couldn't get to the bottom of that one issue alone. The politicians, the presidents, the prime ministers are virtually pawns, in my opinion, compared to those who really control the supply, the distribution and the allocation of financial wealth in the way that they determine, which is not limited from their point of view by things like currencies and stock markets, by the way. I mean, these people, they may not be on any published rich list. They certainly may not be at the top of it. But there's one thing you can be certain that those who are at the top of the published rich lists, whether they know it or not, and they might not know it, but they are dancing to the tune of the real manipulators. Um, and I don't want to get into some big conspiracy theories uh, at the moment, just to say that, there, that there's a cunningly devised plan and always has been in different ways to enslave the mass of people. And of course, they've got willing slaves in some cases, I have to say, because people are play to the uh, stimuluses they're given from the materialistic establishment. And you get the uh, politicians, they rise up from the left, they rise up from the right, they come from capitalism, they come from communism, and they all tell you, we've got the answer, we're going to solve your problems, the world's going to be very different if you just give me five years or give me ten years, and it never is, is it? It's never, I mean, they might get little things better, certainly. Certain things might improve, and they might not, but you might get the health might improve, or the uh, education might improve, but does the world fundamentally change? No, it's not going to change either until the consciousness changes. And let's be positive. I don't want to dwell on the negative because what Mars, that's one thing about the nine freedoms, by the way. It's an enabler. It's positive. It gives you answers. It gives you something that you can do, not something that is just a piece of philosophy in theory, something you can actually do. And this sentence gives you an answer. It's serve. Because if people serve, it will free us. And the prison bars will break wide open and we'll all be free. And if for no other reason, because we'll create positive karma. Because what goes around does come around. And what we put out does come back. And if we're serving, then things must change. The whole Ethos must change. And by the way, let's not say it isn't happening because there are wonderful people out there doing this in a whole variety of ways. And what we need and the, the person who gives spiritual service, which is what we really advocate uh, 
here, say in the Ethereum Society, is, uh, and on this show, and the things that Chrissy was talking about when it comes to astrology, are working on the consciousness level. You know, if you're sending out healing, if you're sending out prayer, if you're performing Buddhist mantra, if you're performing some kind of positive, creative, spiritual visualization from a mystical school or from another tradition, maybe an Oriental one, uh, maybe a Taoist one. I mean, this is universal. But if it's positive and if it's spiritual and if it's going out, uh, this is the law. Some people call it intention. Uh, you know, I'd like to call it a bit more than intention. Tension to me sounds a little bit vague. It, you know, it's something that I'd like to do. Lots of people have good intentions. Do they, do they follow them through? Uh, no, not, not always. So I'd rather call it action than intention myself. But these things are going on and they are making a difference and you can make a difference. So we're going to do it. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to do it actually shortly. And when we do, this light goes out into the world. And what happens? People's consciousness change. You can see it, actually. You can see it with healing. Uh, I mean, I know I've, I've received it myself when I've really needed it. And I can feel the difference. And so can many others. People perhaps who don't believe in it. There's a radio show I do, do over here with a, a great chap, an old friend of mine called James Whale on talk radio. And, he, and sadly, he has he's quite ill now. And he has received healing, certainly from the Ethereum Society, but he's also received the well wishes, the good vibrations, the supportive energy of his listeners. And he's told me that he can feel that and that he th he puts it down when he did. He was cured on one occasion and he believes that was part of his cure. That's what he's told me. And he's not. I mention him because he's not, um, you know, a particular believer in anything spiritual. Uh, you don't have to be, actually. You just believe in goodness. Uh, you just give some form of service and it works at a consciousness level. Because think about it. If that yacht owner didn't want the plane, if or even the yacht for that matter, that what they really wanted when they saw the situation in the Sudan or they saw the, the situation in some other part of the world, perhaps in their own town, wherever they live, and they witness the suffering going on, they would much rather see those things sorted out than have their yacht or their plane. That's what we need to happen. We need the change to come. The, the people fighting in the Middle East who've been fighting pretty much ever since Moses left, I'm sorry to have to say that, uh, for one reason or another, um, 3,000 years ago, whatever it is, it's been going on more than 3,000 years, actually, uh, in that region. And, uh, you know, if the people, though, didn't wish to do this, if they wished to have peace, if they wished to settle and not accommodate their own needs, but accommodate their neighbor's needs, you know the answer. And spiritual energy being sent out through a whole variety of ways, even through the certain forms of meditation, will bring change. It might be an indirect change, and I'd rather make it a more direct one personally, but nevertheless, it will bring change to everyone in the ethers. And you perhaps know that, because if you've been in the company of someone of a high spiritual 
caliber and i've had the honor to do that having been in dr king's company thousands of times and stayed with him and traveled with him and you name it you can feel the difference and it makes it without whatever words are spoken a change is going on and that's what we're talking about and that will break down the prison bars and release the slaves uh, and to become free people to find spiritual freedom and take their journey and find whatever path they choose to take and one man that chose to take a path is coming up now and that's uh, Jack Stafford. Now Jack Stafford is someone who I've met quite recently. I've had the honor, pleasure of being on his podcast uh, series. He writes pod songs as well. And Jack is um he lives in Italy. He's a representative of the Ethereum Society actually over there now. Uh but he came upon this path uh, I don't know quite when but I don't think too many years ago and he had a very interesting story to tell but how he came upon this path. So, Jack, can you hear me? I can, Richard. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, I can, Jack. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Jack. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. I've been tuning in. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. And you're, you're our first Moment of Truth guest. Um, and so we're looking forward to hearing from you. So I'm going to hand you the stage, Jack, please. And will you please tell us the Moment of Truth which turned you to the spiritual path? Oh, well, I'd be very happy to. Yes, it was... It was almost coming up for two years ago. It was in February two years ago. And I was I was very into Ayurveda at the time, which I still am. And I took my mother-in-law to India for treatment for her diabetes. We found this very famous doctor in Chennai, which I found out later was where Madame Blavatsky went. It was called Madras back then. She went there to, to start the, the Theosophical Society there. Ooh. And... Um, I ended up having some treatment myself um, with this doctor and it's very, he uses these, all the Ayurvedic doctors have different, different techniques to understand, but he used oils. So he put very, very powerful Ayurvedic oils on the body. In fact, they're so powerful that you have to have two weeks of preparation before you can put them on the body. So that it gradually builds up the intensity <clears throat> and, um, so I started having these as we went through the treatments. I was having these what we'd call synchronicities. Um, and for me, that was waking up. The most noticeable one was waking up at 3.33 every night. Like, mm. uh, you know, the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah. Something like that. So and that that kind of gets your attention, you know. So I looked online. They say, what does what does it mean? Waking, you know, as we all do these days, we go to Google or YouTube and they say that 333 is um could be your higher self getting in contact or or some sort of higher purpose in life or they don't really know what it means it can, i guess it can mean different things for different people but they say look out in your life for other synchronicities in the daytime so i was doing that and people started mentioning kundalini 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 i was staying it turned out my hotel which i've been for 3 weeks i've been staying it it backed up onto a kundalini center and and i asked my doctor about kundalini and he was he was apparently very into the occult there and he recommended to me me to read a book called the serpent power oh yes that's a that's really hard going jack <laughs> <laughs> yes i know it yes yes it was written by sir john Great woodruff book, but yeah, yeah and um and i i i picked up these warning signs that it was going to be way above my level so as an, I turned to YouTube again, and I 
and the first video that came up was this book class of the study of the serpent power by this teacher called Nehemiah Davis. And yeah, he runs so, our Florida group, I think. Right. Of the right. Ethereum Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he, I started watching these videos from him, and he's so matter of fact. You know, it's it's almost bordering on boring. It kind of goes through it scientifically, um, takes you through. So it's not, you know, it's heavy going. And um, but I stuck with it. Uh, something something called me to keep going with it. And I watched some of his other videos, and I think though because because of the way that it was so slowly introducing when it got into more what i now know is what to me then were very strange concepts but now i i've, I've been introduced to the ethereum society through him and i've i've learned all these teachings and um i just got this great very gradual introduction to him and i don't know i don't know why i i got these why i was introduced why i was waking up at 333 i don't know if it was my higher self or some angel or some some energy but yeah that's that's what happened really that's so. really it's really interesting you're waking up at 3:33 so you you'd be you know just out of the blue you'd wake up look at the clock and it was 3:33 a.m. over and over again yeah sometimes i'd get that's up go to the bathroom come back roll over and look at the clock and then it was 3:33 and that is supposed uh, to be a sign i've i've read about of of people sort of turning to the higher guidance and perhaps angelic guidance they some people might call it and this this sort of set you on your search, and you 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 came across Kundalini, and 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 here we are. You found your yeah. path. Do you feel you found your path now? Definitely. And I, I'm not waking up at three thirty three. I still see eleven eleven quite often. Um, yes, but this, it's unusual. I must say that's a yeah. very interesting story. Actually, you might be interested because I didn't know at all that you where you moved to in India, Chennai, uh, was connected to Madame Blavatsky. Right. And 30 minutes before this show, I wrote a note. I only wrote one note and I detected, I felt, and I haven't felt this for decades, but in this way anyway, for a long time, let's say, I felt the presence of Madame Blavatsky. Wow. And, and I wrote that on a note and I passed it to my assistant. So it's provable. <laughs> and I wrote it down at 4:30 GMT. So that's kind of interesting to me. But you mentioned this, and, and the feeling I had though was, you know, in this sort of impression that uh, confirming really some of the things I've already said that the nine freedoms, although put much simpler, simply, more simply, go much further than the very complicated, verbose writings of theosophy, um, and that. I felt she would be endorsing that and would be the first to say it now. And when you mention the serpent power, you're right. But, you know, you almost need to have a sort of intellectual scholarship degree to, to, to really follow it all and the symbology of it and so forth. And yet I would say, and I've got the serpent power, it's certainly a, a fantastic book. But the nine freedoms, though easily, much easier to understand, if not fully grasp, but easier to certainly comprehend goes much further than the serpent power jack oh yeah with the cosmic element yeah 100 yes indeed yeah what a great story though you came across it and you're waking up at 333 and then and there was a building near you with kundalini on it led you to nehemiah davis which led you to the society and here you are now and i do recommend by the way people to go to www.podsongs.com 
and uh, catch up with Jack Stafford and all that he's doing. I've had the pleasure, as I say, to be interviewed by Jack, and I know a lot of other people have too. Thanks so much for joining us on the on the show today, Jack. My pleasure, Richard. Thanks very much for having me. See you me. soon. Take care. Bye. Wow, that's an interesting story, isn't it? So let's uh, continue back then with uh, today's extract from the Nine Prisons. By the way, next show we're doing, we're going to, I think, go to Australia for our our little story that brought someone to the path. I think we all have them. And by the way, do write in, would you please, to spiritualfreedom at uh, richardlawrence.co.uk and tell us your story as well. Tell us what brought you and you know onto the path, that whatever path that you believe is your path, your spiritual path. And, and, and particularly, we're particularly interested, of course, understandably, if it's the teachings given through Dr. King or the Nine Freedoms or the Ethereum Society, because that's where we're at. So that's, but as I said earlier, we're not believers in a one and only way. We're interested in all uh, journeys uh, towards the light. But let's continue then with today's extract from the Nine Freedoms. And we've looked at the first sentence. Uh, and let's look at the second one now. If you would be detached from your own petty worries, you would serve. And I think that is so helpful. Uh, and the way I read that, and again, I'm only giving my take on this. And also, I'd say my take is after having studied Dr. King's outstanding lectures on it, which are available, and his commentary in the book. So I've studied that. And uh, I've contemplated on it and I've read it, as I said, well over 100 times. Um, and I've tried to practice it for uh, some f over 40 years, by the way. And if, I remember the first day I got the nine freedoms and I was it was just a day I will never forget. It was it. It was I mean, I knew I knew that was it. Um, it was nothing else I needed. And I remember I just found another very great book, uh, which is called. Uh, Raja Yoga by Swami Vivekananda, if any of you know that, and it includes the fantastic aphorisms of Patanjali, uh, which I had decided what I was going to really go for. But then when I found the nine freedoms, I thought, wonderful as they are, I don't need to do that. This is and and it's particularly this element of service. And we really need this teaching. If you would be detached from your own petty worries. My goodness, people are overwhelmed with worries this year, especially with the pandemic. And in case you think it sounds a bit demeaning to say petty, uh, it's not. It's really what it means, I think. It's showing you, yes, in comparison with what some people are going through, frankly, it is petty. You can always see situations that are in the world that make your own problems seem really petty by comparison. But also it's trying to help you to understand that they're not nearly as big, as momentous, as challenging as you might think they are. And, you know, it's it's well known, I believe, in, in mental health uh, studies, not that I have uh, studied that much, but I do understand that it's the emphasis the obsession if you like that you give to a problem that makes it grow and grow and grow and grow so in some ways by seeing it as petty we're being helped but that statement actually reminds me i mentioned the abolitionists and of course the great or one of the great anti-slave trade abolitionists in america was the great abraham lincoln and i came across this quote only like a week ago i think it was just when i was preparing for this show and this is something he apparently said i quote now to ease another's heartache is to forget one's own. To ease another's heartache is to forget one's own. 
And it's a very similar sentiment, actually, as that uh, in, in this statement. Um, it's a bit more, though, uh, than, than perhaps just easing one person's heartache. But it's a great it's a great quote, I think, that by Lincoln. And it fits in perfectly uh, with this teaching by Mars Sector 6. He's talking here with, in petty worries about selfish worries. I think that's the word that I would apply to them. They're, they're, they're things which aren't vital in perhaps in the real enormous scheme of things, but if we let them dominate our thinking, they can be magnified into debilitating anxieties and even, in some cases, mental health, health issues. So once again, Mars Sector 6 gives us a very simple solution. Instead of that, think about the problems of others and, and this is the key, do something about them. If you're praying for world healing properly, you're not obsessing about yourself. And afterwards, the things which worried you can then seem much more petty than they did before you did that prayer. So let's not talk about it. Let's try it. Now, I have the pleasure here to do a to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer for those who want to join in with it. And I'll tell you how we're going to join in with it. But this prayer was written by a very good, another very good friend of mine, uh, who was a leading figure in the Ethereum Society, who actually passed on last year. His name, Ray Nielsen. And I believe he's very active right now, actually, by the way, on the other realms of existence. I don't think you could keep a good man down. And Ray was a good man. So the fact that he's physically died is certainly not the end of that chapter by any means. And we we will be going into things like life after death as we progress. Something I've had the uh, pleasure, actually, of, uh, of of discussing with many people who have physically died and, and, and as odd as that may sound to you it's a hundred percent gospel truth i can assure you now in 2009 ray contributed a beautiful prayer for a book uh, i co-authored with uh, mark bennett an international director of the ethereum society mark bennett very good writer and he co-authored with me a book prayer energy and in ray's memory because he passed on last year. I was very close to, to him uh, and his family. And to illustrate the power of this teaching by Mars Sector 6, I will lead you in this prayer for the world. Now, you may or may not believe in God. And if you do, you can use another name. You might call God Brahma or the divine creator or Jehovah or some other word. That, that's fine. But even if you don't believe in God, you can still join in transmitting spiritual energy through prayer for the betterment of others. This is a most wonderful form of service. It's not lip service. It's not so much about the words, by the way, as it is about the energy that you send when using those words. So once again, if you're not driving a car or do something that requires your concentration and attention, I'd like you to join in with me now. And I'll guide those of you who want to join in in how we go about this. So first of all, be very still. Stillness is a wonderful thing. It's something we desperately need, especially in, in this day and age, actually. So be very still. Close the eyes. Visualize, imagine a brilliant white light coming down through and around you from the ethers of space. And it's white because white contains all the colors of the spectrum. Now raise your hands with the palms 
facing forward so that this pure light can flow out through them, down through the head, the neck, the shoulders, down the arms and out through the palms of your hands, forwards and out to the world. And also, for those who know about yoga or mysticism, we have a chakra called the heart center, a few inches in front of the body at the point where the breast bones meet. Now visualize this white light flowing out through the palms and the heart center. Feel it flowing through you, and I'm going to recite this prayer written by Ray Nielsen, which is a prayer for world healing. Almighty God, which is the light which shines through and behind all things, we pray that your wondrous power of love may fall upon our troubled world now. May it fill the hearts and minds of all those who are suffering and in need at this time. May it manifest as a great healing light to give comfort to those who are sick. May it uplift those who feel abandoned in their loneliness and despair. May it inspire those who have the responsibility of world leadership to bring lasting peace to our planet. O wondrous God, may we be given the power and strength to reach forever inwards and upwards towards our divinity so that we may always be mindful of the oneness of all. Let the energy flow out through you now and out to the world as a whole. And now pass your right hand across the left in one movement, which seals the flow of energy, and you have then completed this transmission of energy through you and out to the world. And I want to stress that the energy you send out is even more important, far more important, actually, than the words I read, good as they are, beautiful as they are. And wasn't that beautiful, that prayer, I must say, by Ray Nielsen. And we'll be talking more about the, this form of prayer in future shows but let's move on because we have one more line to complete from the text of this show. And it's a very simple one. If you would enjoy better health, you would serve. How many times have we seen this? People in poor health focus instead on the welfare of others and they find that their own health can improve. It shouldn't do in a way because they're exerting great efforts, they're not relaxing, and they're performing selfless work. But that's again where this very important factor called karma comes in. What you send out must, sooner or later, be returned to you. If you help others, sooner or later, and it doesn't always come, I have to say. It's not. And John Lennon was wrong, actually, on a couple of things. I mean, he was right and then he was wrong. He said, all you need is love, which is true, in the true meaning of love. It's one of the freedoms, actually, the second freedom. But then he went on and said, it's easy and it's not. So that's a shame. And he said, he, he wrote a book. I mean, how many people have written a hit about karma? Well done to him for that. Unfortunately, he said it was instant. And it isn't always instant. Karma can come in this life it can even come in a future one but it must come i think it's coming quicker than it used to uh, but it certainly must come 
You know, it's been shown in many surveys that service to others is a great source of joy and satisfaction to the server. And it's said from a mental health point of view, it can help to rebuild confidence and well-being. So that's wonderful advice from Mars Sector 6 in the Nine Freedoms. Very simple and very practical solution to materialism, selfish worry and poor health in one simple word taken from the third freedom, which is service. And that word is serve. So that's the message of today. Serve. And don't think you can't because you can. There are numerous ways you could do simple, practical things. Uh, I did a TV show over here once and we went, the presenters went round, um, asked, it was a mainstream TV show, people to do little things and see whether uh, they felt better from doing it. Uh, and whether it, whether karma yoga as a concept, karma yoga meaning service, which was relegated by some teachers wrongly as to be a lesser form of yoga, it's the greatest. It's the greatest form of yoga, service to others. See whether it works. Try it. And uh, let's put these teachings not into theory, but into practice. Let's test them. And that's a little teaching uh, for us all to test and use in our lives. And if we do, we're definitely going to be the one step closer to spiritual freedom. That's for sure. Anyway, Darren, uh, I think we've got time uh, for a couple more questions or comments from you. Great. Uh, so um, how, how are you doing there, Darren? Doing great. Great prayer from Ray, by the way. It's, that was um, yeah. really got the essence of, of what we're doing here, aren't we? Um, so actually, you know, Richard, something that comes up a lot when the conversation turns to service are questions just like this one that we've got, actually, which is, mm. and I quote, I feel a calling to help others, but I don't know how, though. If I gave away everything I owned to house the ever-increasing homeless in our society, I would become homeless myself. And I don't feel that that would be nurturing my own soul. So how can I help? Where are the boundaries? Where do others' needs take precedent over my own? And how can I discern this? Well, you know, I'm going to cheat, Darren, because that's a great, okay. great question. I, I believe a very sincere one. I'm going to cheat by actually going to the text of the nine freedoms, if that is cheating, which <laughs> isn't really. And I'm going to give the answer straight from this text. I'm going to read it now. Uh, I'm sure we'll come back to this in a future show. But uh, since we've been asked, this is what Mars Sector 6 says later on uh, in the third freedom. He says this. There are many ways indeed to serve. Look around you and see ignorance, suffering, want, heat, hate, greed, selfishness, war, murder, robbery, violence in every form. See how people, the young ones, are being deluded. There are many ways indeed to serve. By your service, you can help to heal those who are sick, and you should. By your service, you can help to give encouragement and strength to those who are depressed and weak, and you should do this. By your service, you can throw a dazzling beam of scintillating white, vibrant energy into the darkness of a suffering world and raise it. So there you have three answers, really, of what you can do. We did one of them, hopefully. If our concentration was right, we sent a dazzling beam of scintillating white, vibrant energy into the darkness of a suffering world while I read that prayer by Ray Nielsen. And you can do lots, lots more of that. Chrissy mentioned a website, 12blessings.org. We're doing services there for the world every day. 
We have people from how many countries, Darren? It's over 40. Is it 50 over countries? Over 40. Yeah, probably over 40. close to 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have countries you, we wouldn't expect to hear from. People in Iran, people in Iraq, uh, people in the Philippines, people in Jamaica, all over the world joining in uh, with these services. People who aren't members of the Ethereum Society necessarily at all joining in. So you can do that. You can help to heal those who are sick. Uh, you can help to give encouragement and strength to those who are depressed. But And when you can, let's do that. But the question also raises another point. At the beginning, I think, if I remember it rightly, should I give all my money away? And that wouldn't really help anyone. Um, of course, you have to be practical. Of course. I mean, Dr. King was the, the most practical person I've ever met. And he believed in, he used to say, you know, my, my, I'm size 10s and I believe in, in you know, the, in, where, in using them. Stand on your own two feet. He didn't rely on the cosmic uh, masters who overshadowed him and gave teachings. Master, by the way, is a word that's not necessarily just male. It's male and female masters. Um, he stood on his own two feet and we've got to be sensible. Of course, if you give all your money away, you end up in needing help. That's not serving. You've got to be practical. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to look after yourself spiritually. You've got to, if you're going to take to the path of service, you need to cultivate love within you. So you're motivated correctly. You know, I mentioned karma, but you don't do it so that you get the benefits back. You purely do it out of a pure heart of love. And to do that, you need to nurture yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. But once you start doing it, you create a cycle. Uh, you get a positive cycle in your life and more comes back to you and so you can build on it. So I think that would be my answer, Darren, unless I've missed anything in that question, Darren. No, I think that's right. I think in all ways is basically putting yourself in a position to be of service, isn't it? And that's the, yeah. so, so not compromising that so that you can continue to help others. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes. Yeah. And I've got another one here, actually, similar kind of vein, um, one that relates to it. But um, this person has asked, you know, what does service really mean? Is it being a servant? And can you be of service without being a servant? I think, you know, some people have this kind of negative connotation of being someone's personal attendant or something like that. I see. Yeah, yeah, it's a trouble with words, isn't it? Yeah. And and, and words mean different things to different generations and times and periods, and they can change their meaning. It's it's got actually nothing to do, well, nothing to do with, if you like, the literal meaning of a servant as per someone employed in someone's house to to Mm -hmm. wash and look after them and attend their every need. No, it's not. And it's not. Perhaps the question is also going further. Have you got to sort of regard yourself as a lower form of life in order to serve? Not at all. Not Mm. at all. I mean, Jesus himself, I mean, we're told, washed the feet of his disciples. Um, You know, great uh, Gandhi uh, could be extremely humble in his dealings with people. Um, I found Dr. King could be extremely respectful of people that I sometimes used to wonder, you know, why he was being so respectful, because they, I, in my opinion, uh, didn't warrant that uh, in certain cases. But he was a humble person and, and that, on all the greater for it. But it's not doesn't mean you're a lesser person. Far from it. It's quite the contrary. As a matter of fact, a person who is giving service does not subordinate themselves. They help people. You know, if you go to a doctor to be treated, you don't subordinate yourself to the doctor. But if the doctor's a good one, or the nurse is a good one, or the healer is a good one, they will help you. Uh, they're serving you. They're not your servant, though. Uh, so, in that sense, it's a use of a word, isn't it? Um, 
and, yeah. and it, I know it's used generically sometimes. I will become the servant of the people, and that could have a certain meaning, uh, but it's it's not perhaps got the intonation that question of thought that it had it's just about being giving the most and this is what i would say you know some people say how should i serve i've been asked a question actually on television over here in the uk you know what what's better to give material service or to give spiritual service which is needed more right. and you know i would say to the answer the answer i gave is that both are needed but far more people are willing and able to give at the moment material service. Uh, so therefore, I think if you are motivated very actively to give spiritual service, I would do that. Uh, I would go for that, but go for it very intensively indeed and make sure you know you, you pay the bills and you do all the practical things you have to do in life to exist on this basic physical realm. But you can do a lot more than that. I mean, Dr. King, as I said earlier, did eight hours a day on top of a job. And uh, a lot of us in the theory society are really dedicated and take to the staff and so on. We give uh, all, dearly all, not all, but most of our spare time to it. It's a choice and it's a choice everyone can be can make but darren i think i'm being prompted here by our wonderful producer tim to kind of wind up now so i'm afraid that's the last question or comment that we can take but i want to thank you darren for compiling all those and contributing to our show as you will be to all our future shows yeah and maybe i can just give a give a reminder to everybody if they like their questions answered uh, by you on the show to write into spiritual freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk that's spiritual freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk Thank you, Darren. So our next show will be on Saturday, February the 6th at the same time, 5 p.m. GMT, 12 noon ET or EST, I think it is, and 9 a.m. PST. And we'll have another special guest, which will be actually my wife, Alison, who's going to be talking about prayer and healing for animals. And we're going to share someone's moment of truth. And I believe it's going to be Rowan McLaren from Australia. Uh, who just has a very interesting story, actually. He was in the Himalayas at one point, and he said he isn't anymore. Uh, he'll tell us about that, and I'll lead you in another spiritual practice. We'll have more questions courtesy of Darren Ball. And above all else, we're going to again hear the voice of Mars Sector 6 channeled through, in my opinion, the greatest medium who's ever walked this planet, Dr. George King, my personal teacher, very, very close friend. And we'll be hearing teachings from that New Age Bible, you might call it, The Nine Freedoms. So thanks you all very much for listening to this first show. And I want to again thank our producer, Tim Roxbury, whose idea it was and who invited us to do it and has been our producer on WCETFM. And don't forget, I think it's a little slogan you can use which fits in with our theme today. And that would be, and this is Mars Sector 6's words, from the nine freedoms, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. God bless you all and thanks for listening. 